We have those things that get their forces at Apex, and the Israelites were encamped in the spring that is uh, Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, Where are the Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now four days and four days and years since uh, he deserted me? I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place to which you assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in battle he become an adversary to us. Perhaps the fellow reconcile himself to his Lord. Would it not be the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sing to one another in dances? Saul struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Alright, so we're in this situation where David's going to be Achish's bodyguard in this major attack against Israel. What's David going to do? Well, they all come together. It's these five different kings, the five city-state coalition of the Philistines banded together so that they can put a coordinated effort into wiping out Israel and these other commanders, other kings, see David. With Achish, and what are they thinking? No way. You know, isn't this David the one that they that that's done all these things in the Philistines? You know, the, you remember that song? We come back to that hit single uh, as we said the other day. You know, David has killed his thousands, and ourselves killed his thousands. David is ten thousand. You know, they, that that hasn't uh, that's still ringing in their ears, and so these other commanders are like. We will not allow David in this battle. They're afraid of what? Turn on the middle battle. And you might go back sometime and look at chapter 14. That happened to him several years before. So they have precedent for that. That might be part of why they'd even think more about that. And they seem pretty rigid about that. I mean, Achish is, is somewhat trying to defend him. Uh, but... but uh, you know, he says, I found no fault in him. You know, he's, he's, been, he's been totally reliable. He's been trustworthy. You know, he's trying to say, look, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a good guy. Makes you feel bad for Achish. Wow. He has been taken in. You know, swallowed David's line, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, but but the, the Philistine commanders are at him. No way. He is not going into the battle. Now, what do you see in this if you look behind the scenes? God and God's mercy and grace. Wow! We had no idea. I'm guessing David had no idea how in the world he was going to squirm his way out of this one. And the Lord intervened and makes these other Philistine commanders absolutely unwilling to let David come to the battle. Whoa! What a relief. It's amazing how the hand of God works. You know, the Lord is just so merciful. David has, has been for the last year and four months lying, living a double life, you know, not acting uh, at the direction of the Lord, not consulting the Lord, inquiring of the Lord, or anything, and still, God bails him out 
of this self-manufactured predicament. Isn't the Lord amazing? This is, wow, what a, what a relief. I would have never thought about this as the way David could get out of this. But what a blessing. Comments? Seth? This isn't the last time he was saved by the Philistines either. Uh, when, when Saul was knocking on his doorstep, just about to have him cornered, then the messenger came and said the Philistines. Right, yeah, if you go back in chapter 23. Yes, yes. Philistines have actually uh, turned out to be a benefit to him a few times, haven't they? God can use any instrument for his glory. Good point. Other thoughts? Stephen? We keep seeing, like, just some overturns. Like, I keep seeing Pilate, you know, and I find no fault in this man. He's the second time Jonathan said it earlier, and now he's saying, you know, there's no fault. Like, why are you doing this? Obviously, he doesn't know about uh, yeah. what's going on. Yeah, he's but, saying this because he's naive, but yeah. Yeah, good point. Well, how's this going to go down? 6 through 11. So Enish called David and said to him, As surely as the Lord lives, you have been reliable, and I will be pleased to have you serve with me in the army. From the day you came to me until now, I have found no fault in you, but the rulers don't approve of you. Turn back and go in peace. Do anything to don't do anything to displease the Philistine rulers. But what what have I done? Asked David. What have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? Danish answered, I know that you have been as pleasing in my eyes as the angel of God. Nevertheless, the Philistine commanders I have said. You, he must not go up with us in battle. Now get back up early. Now get back up early alone with your master servants who have come with you and leave in the morning as soon as it is light. So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Israel. All right, now think about Achish's perspective. He fully believes that David hates Israel. That David has been making all these raids for the last year and four months against Israel. He believes that, that David is probably on the edge of his seat, itching to get into this battle where he can fight against Israel and he can help the Philistines wipe them out. Commanders have told him you can't let David come. So he's figuring out how is he going to break the news to David <laughs> that he won't be able to do this. You know, it's just it's going to be a letdown to David. It's going to make him feel distrusted. You know, and here David has been so good to Achish and so reliable. And he's never lied to him. And it's just these commanders. And so this is putting him in a really tight spot. You know, and so he says, David called, Achish called David and says, As the Lord lives, you've been upright. And you're going out, you're coming in with me in the army, are pleasing in my sight. For I've not found evil in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. 
Nevertheless, you're not pleasing in the sight of the Lord's. Now therefore return and go in peace that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. You know, man, I am, you are great, David. I know you're sincere. I know you've been reliable. I totally trust you. I'm really sorry, but they won't let you come. You just see Achish, you know, you know, just really regretting having to having to, you know, communicate this. With David, knowing how, you know, uh, heartbroken David will be at not being able to do this. This is just, this is just so amazing. They are on two totally different wavelengths. But the very worst moment, I think, almost in David's whole life, certainly in verse 7, I think comes in verse 8. Now, not everybody will agree with me on this. But listen to what David says back. But what have I done? <laughs> and what have you found in your servant from the day when I came before you to this day that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord the King? Why won't you let me go? What have I done wrong? Why can't I participate? <laughs> what was that? What if it would have been like, okay, I'll talk to him again. <laughs> if I had been God right then, that's exactly what I made him say. Yes, Ethan. Um, so many like God gave David a way out of his mess, and so many times, and he didn't take it. So many times. God gives us a way out of whatever we put ourselves into, and we ignore it, and we don't take it. Why wouldn't David take it? What's he thinking? So tied up in his life. Yeah. In other words, you most, many of you understand this, but what, so why would David say, why can't I go? Yeah. I guess he's trying to find his own way out of it. No, I don't think so. Well, he's got to keep up the charade. If he's just like, oh, yeah, I didn't want to go anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if he said, oh, great. <laughs> That's not going to look good. I think he's got to act like he's really disappointed. He's been doing this act business now for the last year and a half nearly, and he's still in act mode. So, oh, that's, why, why can't I go? I think David on the inside is like, yes, oh, wonderful. But on the outside, he's like, what, what have I done? It just infuriates me to see David like this. He's a really good liar. Now, unfortunately, you know, it is a bad thing when we get to be really good liars. That's something we don't want to have a lot of skill in. But he is. You know, he, he's pretending to be so shocked and disappointed. You know, he's got to make it look good. Chuck? Yeah, I don't know if it's a facade. If it's part of David's role play, but uh, I think it's interesting when he says, my lord, the king. Um, that's how he addressed Saul as well. Um, and, and it's just like a recognition of I mean, the authority that God has placed in before him. I just think that's yeah. Well, then, like, in his lie, he says, oh, it's too bad I can't fight, you know, God's people. He says, I want to fight the enemies of my king. So he's just saying, well, I wish I could go and kill my own people. I mean, it's a lie, but it's a weird lie to 
say even if you don't mean it. I know. I mean, it, it really does bug me that he says this. It bugs me that he does, that, that he's so concerned with the act that he practically rejects the incredible mercy and grace of God and letting him off the hook. Josh? I think it's interesting that you have kind of this in-between where it jumps back to Saul because you see maybe a more clear or immediate contrast between what we see in David's situation with God's immense mercy and grace and, this. and then in Saul you see the finality of God's judgment and being done with putting up with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got both angles. John? It's kind of like you're faking being sick because you don't want to go to school, and then your mom's like, okay, you have to, oh man, we got a test today. I really didn't want to miss, you know. <laughs> so you've got to play it up so your mom doesn't ask you <laughs> I don't know. Your mom was pretty naive if she fell for that. <laughs> good, that's it. <laughs> Or the TV show, and then like when it happens, just I hear the audience laughing in the background. I mean, it's just amazing to me that God came up with this comedy a long time before the comedic writers of today. I mean, it it just seems like it's the same situational comedies that we see all the time. Yeah, but you know, I, when, when David says this, to me, I am so embarrassed. I am so ashamed of him. It's just it just really bugs me that he said this. I mean, it bugs me that, you know, I, you don't know this expression, but probably it's old time, but he's looking a gift horse in the mouth. You know, he was, he was taking the grace of God and practically saying, no, thank you. And, and again, man, what if God had just put it in Achish's heart to say, okay, I'll ask again, and he put it in the commander's heart to say, okay, you can come. That would have served him right. It would have served him right. Uh, so, this is really this is really shameful to me for David. I just hate seeing him do this. And Achish comes back to David. Wow, I know that you are pleasing in my sight like an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said he must not go up with us to the battle. Oh, David, you're just like an angel of God to me. You know, you are so righteous and so trustworthy and so everything, but they won't let you come. I'm so sorry. You, you feel almost, you're almost embarrassed for ages. I mean, he's been taken in so thoroughly. You know, it's just like, oh my, please don't say that. Justin. You gotta wonder how David feels when he's being praised so much by him and he knows in the back of his mind that, that he's doing him wrong. And uh, I, you know, I've had it in my life where somebody has has praised me in front of other people, and I know in the back of my mind that you know I'm really not doing that well, or something like that. And you just feel you feel awful because somebody thinks that well of you, and somebody is praising you, but you're not really living up to their expectations. What if they're praising you because you lied to them, yeah. and they believed your lie? Yeah. That lie, then. Uh, it seems to me that Achish is already extremely confident in David's character and David's loyalty to him that perhaps David wouldn't have thought that, well, I need to act like this is a real hard decision for me to do. You know, perhaps David really has lost sight of God's promise for him and he's ready to, to you know, he used himself as a Philistine and he's ready to go to war because he's lost sight of God's promise. Yeah, I don't see that. That would be another perspective on this, but I don't see it. 
I got John, Nathan, and Micah. John? I think this just really shows how a lion tongue can callous your heart quick, quickly and you just get to a point where you don't feel like, you know, I mean, this is one of those situations where it should, you should just be like, okay, I've been lying to you from the start, you know, and you should just pour, you know, <laughs> you know but he's so callous, his heart is so hard that he's, he's going even further. Yeah. I think he's growing to like the attention that he's gotten from Akers. So the bigger show he gives, maybe the more esteem he has from Akers. Yeah, maybe, Michael. Like going along with what Justin said, it's sort of embarrassing that Akish is referencing Jehovah the God in reference to the good the good character of David. And so many times we may be uh, deceiving others or acting Unchristian way in which other people know that we are uh, children. You know, I see David. You know, coming back at uh, from da a dad's perspective. Uh, you know, I see David as always loyal to his people. I never see him turning on them. You know, I see him. You know, raiding their enemies all through this year and, and four months. He's 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 defending his people. He's protecting his people. He's attacking their foes. I see him intending to be the next king. Uh, you know, even going and delivering a few chapters before the city of Keilah from the Philistines and so forth. And it's just hard for me to see David would actually join himself to an effort to wipe them out. I just, that, that, that's harder for me to see in David. I don't deny that this is difficult and that we need to consider all perspectives. But that just is really hard for me to see. Yeah. Um, what Nathan said, it kind of reminded me that, do you think that Achish and David's relationship is what David wanted with Saul? And it's just, he's clinging onto a relationship instead of what he should be doing? I mean, I don't, but maybe so. I don't see him liking Achish. He's been fooling Achish. I see him using I see him in trouble with Saul, trying to protect himself, needing asylum from the Philistines, fighting against Israel's enemies, but having to make it look good so the Philistines don't put him in a situation to have to be a madman again, you know, or whatever. So I, I, I think he's using it, his person. Eric? Do you think it's possible that he was excited for an opportunity to like, fight against the Philistines from the inside, like if he could get to go with them? You could say that. That would be another thing to think about. But if he wanted that, why doesn't he do it? Yeah. I mean, he could. they could march over to Israel's side, or I don't know, they could march behind him and attack. I, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure that would preclude that. So, and I don't know. I just, I have a hard time seeing how that's anything other than suicide, so. <laughs> Maybe he's keeping himself in a position where he can continue to attack the Philistines as he had been doing for the past year and four months. And maybe he sees it as an opportunity he can, you know, if he stays in the lie, then he can keep attacking the Philistines and destroying them. Because he's not attacking Philistines, he's just attacking enemies. Oh, yeah, yeah, people, Canaanites, yeah. right. Right. Like? We, you said a few times with the, in regards to Saul, you know, he's not acting like the king, or right now I don't really see David acting too much like promising the king of Israel. Um, and I said a lot like, uh, well, he showed her his heart and everything. Do we, are we going to see David show some remorse for what he's been doing lately? We're going to see some things. Steven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of like 
the same point, it's just amazing to see God's patience in this because Saul is to the point where he's going to consult a medium and David is, you know, lying through his teeth to the Philistine king. It's like, how is God going to work with these people? But he does. And he's able to bring great things out of it. It's just amazing to see like these two chapters back to back. God is much more merciful than man. These these chapters call for more expression and comment. I mean, this the the way this is written really makes us think. It puts us into the emotion of the situation. I, it's it's I, I think these chapters are very interesting and difficult. But wow, we learn a lot, and it makes us really have to think. You know, God could have written the Bible to where He He didn't give us any room to think. This was a good statement. You know, this was a bad statement. You know, this was the. You don't get any narrator's comments, hardly at all, in the Bible. You get the story. And we are expected to look at it and live it and understand it in the light of Revelation. That really helps us. When we have to work with it like this, I think we get so much more out of it. So I appreciate the Lord's wisdom and how he reveals this. Justin? You were kind of saying how his statement and everything makes you so mad that, that and disappointed in him and everything. And, and how that this this whole story, this whole section of Samuel, is um, is very emotional. It, it makes us really happy for him at certain times, and very mad at others for certain things. And we need to take those emotions, and uh, when when we apply these things to our life, then we need to take those same emotions and apply them to what we're doing in our life as well. When we catch ourselves doing these exact same things, yes. we need to get just as frustrated with ourselves as we're frustrated with David. And at the same time, we need to be happy about about us seeing other people do those kind of things and, and even ourselves doing those kind of things that are good. Good point. I agree with that. And that reminds me of something I wanted to say to an earlier comment. Because I think this is something that's relevant to us sometimes. I want you to think about the times that you have lived a double life and you have, you have been lying or at least extremely deceptive by how you've lived, and you've convinced brothers and sisters that you're great when you know you are corrupt. And they start telling somebody, you hear, well, oh, this guy's really good. He's really pure. He's really righteous. He's really effective. He's really this. What do you do right then? That ought to bring us to our knees. That ought to shame us so much that we confess the truth when we can hear that and be hardened enough to continue to keep up the charade and the facade, it is a shame. We need to be people who are honest. People, if we've done wrong, quit trying to act like we're innocent. When, we, when it outrages us to see David doing this, it ought to outrage us when we see ourselves doing this. And it is, we are too skilled too practiced at the double life business. Tim. Um, working with young people and trying to help them out, like it's it's scary how clear it is that the moment anyone's dishonest is a moment of beyond help. If we, if we want to be dishonest, then there's no help for us. I agree. I mean, that is that is almost becoming the first statement I make when I try to help somebody. You know, whatever you do, be honest. Because you can't, you can't even have a friendship without honesty. You know, it's exactly what Paul said in Ephesians 4, 
Do not lie to one another because you're members of one another. You, a body members can't lie to each other. If your eyes tell your feet that there's not a wall right there, you're going to hurt yourself. And, and the body members have to be honest. You have no relationship. You have no true fellowship without honesty. We need that. Satan is the father of all lies. God is a God of truth. This is a bad episode in David's life. Also with the lying of Hosea 7 verse 13. What of them for they have strayed from me? Destruction is there, should they have rebelled against me? I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. Uh, they being Ephraim, you know, living a double life that, that, that leads you away, that it's a stray, that leads to destruction. The last phrase, I would, would, I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. The very fact of living uh, double lives is what separates us from God. And any, any chance of redemption we have, we will have it because it's a lie. You're right. Absolutely. Other comments? Yes. I think a lot of times um, we contribute to like people living a double life, like even within God's people. We contribute, I guess, to that like um, mentality uh, because a lot of times our attitude towards people who are struggling or people who even like were David who had a who had a mind and heart after God had a thousand lives. But a lot of times in the church are like, oh, you're not a very stable Christian, you know, you might not, you know, like. We need people who are pillars and don't go through times where they're struggling. And a lot of times people feel like they won't be able to be helpful. They won't be able to help people if they don't maintain this constant idea of spirituality when they're struggling. And so because they know I'll probably get through this, I don't want to help other people. I need for this time to just continue appearances until I feel that way again. And I think not that that's right, obviously, but I think a lot of times we contribute to that mentality that's a good comment there's a lot of things to think about with that obviously when we ourselves try to keep up a facade of being semi-perfect we we could we perpetuate a culture that you're not supposed to ever admit anything you do wrong good Christians don't do that you know either people think Good Christians never admit it when they do wrong, or maybe they think good Christians never do anything wrong. You know, because we certainly wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't get that idea from listening to us. Um, so, so that's certainly an angle. Um, perhaps being harsh with those who do confess, I don't think I see that as often, but I'm sure that happens sometimes, and that's a problem, and we keep people from confessing and being honest. Also, I think sometimes particularly true with parents, but it can even be true with churches. Sometimes I think we want people to lie to us. We know the double lie. But as long as we can justify believing it's not happening, then we'll believe it's not happening. You know, parents are really bad about that sometimes. My kid always says we're trying. No, no, that wouldn't be true of him. No, he's, he's this, he's this. And my kid knows how to say enough stuff that makes me be able to justify in my mind, oh, he's perfect. You know, he'd never do that. Well, that hurts my child. If, if I, I, we need to be positive, as we talked about earlier, but it hurts my kids when I facilitate their dishonesty. That is not helpful. And, and you know, honesty is a critical matter. Um, it is such a 
it is such a distinguishing mark between <coughs> Satan and God that you know we really need to take that seriously when we're trying to help other people because that is such a critical issue. I don't know. I may not have said that real well, but Alex. And it goes both ways, particularly you know when we're not doing okay, and people come up to us and they ask us, you know, how are you doing? And I'll say, yeah, I do this a lot. I say I'm doing fine or I'm doing all right when it's very clear to both me and the person I'm talking to that that's not the case. And we deprive ourselves of encouragement and be encouraging to others when you know we're supposed to, sh to share our burden with one another and we're just harming ourselves and we keep you know, our, our pain inside of us. Good point. Yeah. Uh, a question. I'm, I wasn't sure, I obviously haven't studied it enough, but I didn't think the Philistines believed in God. Why is Achish bringing him up to David? Well, David does. So, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have a uh, anything uh, really good to say about that, other than you know he would know what David believes. Maybe David has convinced him that this God is true. A lot of the pagans believe that all gods were true, including the God of the Hebrews, just not exclusively God. So that makes sense. All right. I think what we'll do is take a break right here. And uh, for about five or ten minutes, then we'll sing, and then we'll 